Welcome to Business Leader Breakthroughs, where we help unlock the potential in you, your teams, and your business. I'm your host, Ryan Castle, along with Dr. Mike Ashby. We share insights, experiences, and stories on achieving breakthrough success in business and life. To learn more, click the link in the episode show notes or go to thebreakthrough.co. Now let the breakthroughs begin. Hey Mike, you're that guy, back in the podcast again. Back in the podcast again, back in the saddle. Hey Mike, we've probably all had that situation where we've done a really, really big week at work. We feel like we've been smashed, we've been at it all day, every day. We get to the end of the week and someone goes, hey, looks like you've been really busy. What have you been focused on? What did you get done? And you kind of deliver that stunned silence. Yeah. And you go, oh, you know what? I've just been really, really busy. And that that busy word is not a word that we like at the breakthrough. No, we don't. Um, And yet, you know, having done a week like that and I'm like, oh, wow, what did I actually contribute? What was my, what was the important stuff I got, got done? And so often we talk to business owners, to um, leaders, to people in, in business and they have this challenge of going, I know that I've been really busy. I'm just not quite sure what I got got done. Absolutely. And the other one that they run with is I'd love to take that. I just don't have time. Or, uh, you know, I didn't get the big stuff done because I ran out of time. Because, you know, uh, that, 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 that finite nature of time and just too much to do, right? Um, actually... We don't suffer from that so much. It happens occasionally, but it doesn't happen very often because we understand that we've got, we've got plenty of time. We've absolutely got all the time we need so long as we understand what our priorities are and make a commitment to those priorities and then honour that commitment. So that's what we tell people. You, you had all the time in the world. You just didn't have clear priorities. Absolutely. And heading into the end of last year, uh, I felt like we had a lot on. There was a lot of projects we were trying to uh, execute, mm. and uh, I had a, I had, I received a coaching moment. Uh, I'll do a shout out here to Dan Hayworth, um, the MD at Box Construction. I was talking to him, going, "Oh, you know, I'm trying to get all the stuff done, and not sure I'm going to get it all nailed." And in Dan's delivery, the way he um, only he could, he said, "Sounds like poor planning to me." And I was like, oh, yeah. damn that, damn that hurts. Yeah. And damn, you know what? You are so correct because yeah. I had at that time fallen into I just need to get stuff done uh, kind of mode rather than stopping, reflecting, going, what are the priorities here given the finite resource we have to get things executed in this time frame? Which are the priorities? How yeah. am I going to identify those ones and then what I'm going to do? And it was it was such a good, good reminder and his uh, del- delivery was perfect. Yeah, yeah. Not much more needs to be said, really. And, no. And he's, he's right. And it's, well, there's two dimensions. One is um, how busyness makes us feel. Uh, for, and for a lot of us, busyness, being busy, makes us feel uh, valued and important. We must be busy. We must be important because look how busy we are. You know, I've got this kind of red badge of courage of how hard I'm working. You're not working hard. You're just working long. And you're just working across a lot of things as opposed to doing the things that matter most because not all those things matter as much as each other. Not all those things are equally important. So so the two tracks we fall into, one is the sense of busyness as value 
personal value and importance in the organisation. And the second one is that getting out of that swamp actually requires you to stop. And this is what we call the active mode, but it requires you to stop and think. And, and actually, one of the, this, is the, this is the thing, one of the hardest things that we ask our brains to do is to prioritise. Prioritising is actually quite hard mental work because what you're doing is you are constructing a future, multiple futures in which you've done this thing as opposed to the future in which you've done that thing or a future in which you've done the other thing. And then you've got to compare the relative value of these three alternative universes in which you've done these things. That's quite, you know, you're really just playing with possibilities and ideas. You're not kind of moving data around or, or kind of, you know, working on a, on a spreadsheet or anything. You are constructing things that don't exist at the moment. So that's what we resist because the brain has to work really hard when it does that. It has to really kind of use up some energy. And as we know, our brains are really good at conserving energy. So going into that active mode is the first step of saying, okay, I am running around like the proverbial fly and I need to stop. We've, we've talked a lot about the active mode in previous uh, podcasts. Um, you want to cover off quickly what it is here? Yeah, sure. Let's let's talk about about active mode. And I might just add in at this point, I find a little trick or tip from me that really helps in my day is just making sure I'm up uh, early enough that I have a 15 minute slot at the beginning where there is zero time pressure for me to, to do anything. So um, I like exercise in the morning, so I tend to get up pretty early, but I, I always make sure that I'm up so that I can get up and literally just sit for 15 minutes before I have to go and do anything, before there's a task, before there's an action, before I need to really start thinking about something. And I find it's amazing how much of that starting my day in that way influences the calmness I feel for the remainder of the, the day, regardless of how much we do have on. And it's, and it's a really good example of active mode. You know, you don't want to be in active mode all the time. You can't be, but it's where you kind of switch off all the noise and you just go, what's going on here? That's, that's the active mode question. What's actually going on here? And when you sit down there for your day, and yes, I, I agree. I mean, I've done the same thing for, for, for years and years you're sorting out, again, what those priorities are. So you're not doing anything except thinking and kind of organising yourself and planning. Planning is, good planning requires you to be in active mode. You are present, you're engaged, you're open, you're not in kind of reactive mode. Even with all that, there are times when I've got bogged down, less so lately, mainly because um, you do it now, which is so much better, I can tell She's you. She's a good bloke. <laughs> You're a good bloke. But, you know, I mean, that's the job, right, as, as we keep talking about between ourselves as, as business partners. How do we release you from stuff? Because there's so much to do. It's not that you can just go, ah, no, I'm not going to bother with the IT. Um, but we can get really kind of sandbagged with all of that stuff. And, and I've, I've certainly found it at various times over my life, just stopping and writing down everything for a start. Start with the big rocks, sort out what are the most important things, and then let everything else work its way around. So on a daily basis, I would go, okay, what are my big rocks? 
What are the little ones? What are the things I must achieve today? And I'm still, still doing it today. You know, I've got a list here of my three priorities and then there's a list of all of my to-dos, all of the rest of that stuff. I'll tell you, the sense of freedom and release that comes from getting it out of the noise in your head, the echo chamber in your head of how busy you are. Oh, my God, i got to do that, i got to do this, i got to do that. And there's a thousand things in there. Putting them down on paper and suddenly, oh, blessed peace and quiet. Indeed. So, Mike, tell us about how we can think about evaluating priorities. So let's say I do that, I go through, I write the 20 things down that are top of mind, you know, the things that I didn't finish yesterday, the things that I know that I've got to deliver in the future, some bits that have come up from from emails and meetings and, and the like. What framework do we use to start evaluating which ones I should prioritise? We really like to keep things simple at Breakthrough and in the active learning program, we don't want to get too kind of technical about weighting and ranking. And so we just use the Eisenhower matrix and he used to separate his day out into the urgent and the important. Obviously, you focus on the urgent and important and get those things done because that's really important. And you just ignore or delegate or delete those things that are not important and not urgent. That's simple. It's the bits in the middle that require you to make that decision-making I talked about before where you compare different futures. There are some things that are urgent but not important, which if they're quick, you just get them done. You go, I just got to get that done. It's one email, it's a this, you know, it's a phone call, whatever, boom, done. Okay. The ones that we have to really create time for are the things that are important but not urgent because... The, the urgent and important, that's today's business. That's the washing machine that's getting stuff done. But the, the stuff that creates tomorrow is the stuff that's not urgent but really important. And that's the great work. One of our coaches distinguished between the good work, which is the urgent and important, and then the, the great work, which is the important and non-urgent. The stuff that could wait and will wait and wait, and wait, and wait, and never get done because you're tied up in the washing machine. So the short answer around that one is making sure that you at least acknowledge that important and not urgent and have some space on your workday to get that done. That's the way we think about that. Yeah, and I find a really good guiding light for me around what's important is reference back to what we refer to as our most important goals. So... Once a quarter, we're looking at our milestones for the business and we're going, right, what are the what are the three things that are going to get us closest to that next milestone that we're trying to achieve? Do you want to talk to us maybe, Mike, a bit about why it's three? Why is it, yeah. why is it not five, seven or ten most important goals? Yeah, yeah, we've, we've always been really real sticklers for this. You should have no more than three goals. The, the research that uh, has been done many, many places, but most powerfully in a book called The Four Disciplines of Execution, it shows that if you want to achieve two or three goals, have just two or three goals. If you set between four and, say, ten goals, then you can only really expect to achieve one or two because you're getting spread too thin. And if you've got 11 or more goals, you'll achieve none. So... You know, we know that leaders tend to like, if some is good, more is better. So lots of goals so that people stay busy and make big contributions doesn't work that way. Actually being clear about the two or three most important things, because everything's important, the three most important things, 
allowing people then to focus on those and be really clear about those. You know, those goals should be completely unambiguous. It should be, you know, this by that date, you know, this many of that thing by this date, really clear, you know, whether that's a revenue target or a production target or whatever it is, it's X by date. Mm. In the in the four disciplines of execution, they uh, refer to it as best to phrase it as from X to Y by when. Um, so we know where, we've, where we're where we're at currently, where we're trying to to get to, and in which time frame are we going to going to achieve that? And I would add in that at the top of the organisation, there should be no more than three goals to the top of the organisation. Mm-hmm. But let's say one of those goals is associated with the uh, sales and marketing aspect of the business. Within the sales and marketing, whilst there's one core goal that we're trying to achieve at a company level, that team then might break that down into three individual goals that are going to contribute to that outcome. And then, you know, as we as we distill further down the organisation, but. It, at any level, you should be able to talk to anyone in the organisation. Go, what are the top three goals you're working towards, and they should know what what they are. Yeah, and look, it's a, it's one of those fundamental things of you would think of management that people are clear about what's really important. I, I remember doing this as part of a, a Lencioni type exercise about a leadership team. There were eight people there, and I said, okay, what's the most important thing that the business has got to achieve in the next in the next thirty days? I got nine answers. You know. Eight people, nine answers. Having clarity, going through that process of having clarity is just as important. In fact, it's really the first base. You know, if you're not clear about what your three most important priorities are, then you're probably wasting a lot of time and you're probably feeling really busy and you're probably not achieving very much. And I think when you've got that ambiguity about what you're supposed to be achieving, trying to evaluate what's important gets very, very difficult because everything looks equally important, right? But I know I, I know it's a framework that I use when I'm looking at uh, what am I going to prioritize today. I'm always going, of these things that are on the to-do list, which ones are going to help us move towards our most important goals that we're, we're focused on? And that just makes it super easy to identify which ones to work on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. And Mike, we talk about development days as a crucial element. It's something that you and I both practice, uh, I would say, religiously, and I, and I don't use that word lightly in this context. I think in all the work we've done with business owners and business leaders, the two things that stand out for me that make the biggest difference, first one is when people stop trying to solve their challenges using their own time. Yep. And the second one is a commitment and execution to development days. Yep. The two biggest things, I've just seen it make a massive difference time and time and time again. Can you give us a uh, definition and some ideas around what development days are and how we could use that those days? Yeah, and, and look, uh, first, I just, I just absolutely echo what you said in the, in the context of, I was just saying to my wife this morning, you know, I've got a, uh, I've got a, a contingency day. Friday is, a, is, is the development day. I've got to, I'm going to have to do something um, out of office. And it just means I can do that without having to shift any, go, any, any meetings or anything else like that. I've got that, that freedom in my head that Friday is always saved. It's, you know, as far as possible, there are no office meetings, there are no external meetings, there are no meetings, there are no demands on my time except what I choose to do. And, of course, what I choose to do in that time is work on the important and non-urgent and really put some time into it. Stay out of the operational stuff, 
stay out of the day-to-day, really focus on those things that need time and attention. Because quite often those, you know, the important and non-urgent actually uh, take a lot of time to get into. You have to push them quite hard. By, I guess I mean, a lot of the things that we do that we start, they have a flow on and a reaction. You do something, somebody else does something in response, you respond, and so it goes. You know, you kind of, there's a certain amount of momentum that gets created quite quickly. A lot of this development work is not like that. We're just adding to the body of the work till we get it to the point where it's it's done. So, you know, I've been organising the curriculum for the new Active Leader Programme. I've just had to spend time deep in it. And, and of course, you know, if I get distracted by a phone call or a meeting or whatever, then I'm going to take about 15 minutes to get my head back into that very deep, detailed, um, strategic kind of space of how, you know, all the factors that go into building a curriculum, having all of those in my head easily and in the right place. So that's why Development Day is such a gift because I can deploy all my knowledge and strength to do a piece of work that's going to make a really big contribution to the business. They are huge. And there's some things that we have observed uh, through our own execution here and working with others that we know are, are super important. So firstly, the amount of time we would recommend that as a manager who probably has an operational management role, uh, look to spend two hours a week in this kind of function. If you're a senior leader or a uh, business owner, we'd you know, think we'd be recommending more like a day a week. To, to do this because that's that's where your biggest contribution can be made. And some of the things that make this successful, firstly, is uh, blocking it in your calendar. Yeah. Uh, holding holding true to that to that time religiously. You know, I've likened it to going, imagine you'd been invited to a wedding on that day. If you had the wedding in your calendar and someone said, hey, uh, Ryan, can you just come and meet with this customer or can you just have a quick meeting with me about this or can you can you do that task for me? I'd be like, hey, sorry, I've got a wedding on, can't do it, I'm away. Yeah. Think about your development time in the same kind of context. Uh, the second element is uh, make sure your team understands why you're doing that time and that it's not available. It's yep. not available for, for them is really, really critical. And probably the third uh, equally important element is where you do that development time. So our view is you need to do it away from the office. You need to do it somewhere where you're almost not contactable. Yep. Um, so, and do things like turn off your email, um, turn the, put the, put the phone off, actually do that deep thinking time because the amount you can get through with a couple or several hours of uninterrupted time would normally take people two or three months to get through the equal amount of time when they're trying to fit it in around a hundred other things. Yeah. Yeah. Dead right. And certainly elapsed time. It's that it is the answer to the question if I only had time because the answer is you have. And I think the other dimension of that one that's worth, worth mentioning, particularly for operational managers, you know, some people will be sitting there going, Oh, yeah, but there's no way my boss is going to agree to that. You need to check that out because most bosses would really like to see their people make progress on the most important things. So, you know, as we say in the active program, having that conversation with your your people leader, your manager and saying, 
this is what I want to do. I want to take, you know, kind of 10 to 12 on Wednesdays, block it out to work on these kind of strategic priorities that we've been discussing. Are you okay with that? And it's really important if you are a people leader to honour your commitment to that. If you say, yeah, no, it sounds like a great idea, make sure that you're not the one who's buggering up people's development time, who's sticking their heads around the, you know, through the office door and saying, hey, you know, I know it's your development time, but can you just do this urgently for me, please? What we do find is that it is often the leaders rather than the managers who are the ones driving the kind of urgency and away from the importance. What we know in one organisation is that actually empowered by the program, managers started pushing back on their kind of uh, senior leaders who were interrupting and distracting them and saying, look, you know, in this program, we have these two hours, this is the development time. You know what this is about? This is mine. Can I come back to you, you know, after 12 o'clock? Oh, 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 yeah, okay, okay. So, you know, if you've got a leader who doesn't want you to work for a couple of hours solidly on the most important aspects of your business, you've got a bigger problem than how much time you've got. So true. And good leadership is also awareness of uh, how does your urgent and important thing fit with the rest of the organization's urgent and important? Because yeah. I think we can default as leaders to going, oh, suddenly I've got a top of mind thing that I really want done. I'm just going to run down to the team and go, can you execute this now? Yeah. How about we uh, initiate what we refer to as the active pause, yep. which is before you go running down the hallway to the team or across the the open open plan desk environment, <laughs> whichever one you might be in, yeah. Um you know, oh, through the act of pause, is this, is this important or urgent? So firstly, in the context of you, secondly, in the context of your team, and thirdly, in the context of the, the organisation, and then uh, do we have all the information here that we need to, to make that call before we go running off and jumping into something? So execute that active pause. Yeah, yeah. And this is all about active mode, isn't it? Because the development time is really... Again, a time when you are present and engaged and focused solely in what it is you are doing as opposed to having half your mind on what's for lunch and the other, you know, a quarter of your mind on whose who's calls you might be missing, et cetera, et cetera. Be here now, totally yep. here, totally engaged in the job. And you will find how quickly you move through stuff that has seemed almost insurmountable and intractable. Indeed. So maybe just then recap, uh, really recommend you start your day in that active mode, have some only needs to be 10 or 15 minutes of clear space before you dive into things. It just sets your mindset up for the day so well. Yep. Be clear on what the priorities, the most important goals are for your organization, for your team and how you need to contribute to those evaluate your to-do list against the urgent and important using the MIGs as the guiding light for what's what's important and execute development time, whether that's two hours or a, or a whole day or something in between. Executing those things will just make a huge amount of difference to you as an individual, how much you feel you're contributing to the organisation and you'll see the momentum in the organisation take a massive shift as well. Yeah, good right, absolutely. Alrighty, Mike. Great uh, podcast. I think uh, these are elements that we uh, live and die by in our business. Um, we've seen them make a huge difference for us and a huge difference for uh, many other organisations. So uh, people listening, get out there, implement those things. Uh, you really will see a huge change. 
Thanks, Ryan. Cheers. Okay, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.